Uh-oh, it looks like we piqued your interest in the hideout. First of all, let me tell you what the hideout is not. The hideout is not for hustlers, for grinders, or for people who are looking for a shortcut to what the world calls success. The hideout is about growing as men, creating lifelong friendships, and having the time of our lives. Are you ready to tap in to the endless source that will take you from success to significance? The hideout is two and a half days of hiking, biking, and doing the little things that it takes to create lifelong friendships. I find that joy is nothing more than falling in love with your current circumstances and allowing magic to happen. And that's when we see growth in every area of your life. Have you accomplished your goals professionally and financially? and you still thirst for something more? Has success in these areas come at the expense of far more valuable things like your family, your children, and your relationships? Alignment in business, strategic partnerships, and joint ventures all come from true relationships. The Hideout is designed to get to know people before you'll ever need them. This is not your typical mastermind. The Hideout is focused on the one thing that will fuel everything joy. And when joy is overflowing in your life, you'll find growth in your marriage, your relationships, and oh yeah, your business. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, I'm so excited to be able to have this guy on. I have been chasing him for a while. I, I seem to be chasing a lot of people to be able to be on the podcast, but I'm telling you, this man hit me right off the bat, and the reason why I uh, named the podcast what I did, which was Ask the Right Questions, and he doesn't even know that I, uh, I named it that, but I named it that before because most of the time people are trying to input into you. They are constantly trying to tell you and flex on you all of their uh, amazing wisdom. This man has crazy success in every single thing that he touches, not to say that he's perfect, but he has that because he asks the right questions of the right people and he has the tendency to get the right answers. And he's never too big to ask someone the question. And I, it is my absolute pleasure not only to have, I think, one of the, the best entrepreneurs that I've ever met in my entire life, but also now a friend of mine, and I can't believe it, has been going on uh, almost six months that we've been friends. I've been forcing him to do this. So I want you to uh, welcome to the show Mr. Sean Finnegan, the founder of TaxHive.com. Thank you so much, Kelly. You're one of my favorite people of all time, literally. And it was like what you said when I first met you. It was like... Not, not only myself, but everyone else in the room when we were in that event together with Chris Noggle, just how much you have the law of attraction. Like everyone was drawn to you. It was really amazing to see you in action. And I've learned and picked up so much from you. I appreciate it. Well, I think for me, one of the one of the things when we were there at Sundance with the Money Multiplier event and Sean, uh, Chris Noggle, we big shout out to him. Uh, the guy mm -hmm. is an amazing, amazing human being. But mm -hmm. I want you to know in that room when I walked in and I saw the likes of you, I saw the likes of uh, Randy Garn, I saw uh, you know Chris Noggles, the Brent Kesslers, all these people, I sat back in my chair and I was thinking like, what do I have to offer all these amazing people? And you have this ability to be able to draw things out of people that they don't see in themselves. How are you able to do that and, and why is it so important to you? 
I genuinely, from my soul, similar to the way you're built, I really want to learn from people. I, I, when I go up and I, and I go to an event like that, I love attending events where there's a mastermind kind of, of an event. And I went immediately up to you and I just wanted to learn from you immediately because I feel like the best way to connect with people is to ask the right questions, like you said, and then make that connection. And I, I picked up literally within two minutes of talking to you, two or three th things I still do to this day. So that's what it's all about is just, you know, getting out of that comfort zone and going approaching someone that might, you might feel uncomfortable, but every single time I've gotten out of that comfort zone and I approach someone like yourself, I've had huge rewards for that. So Sean, help me too with this because, you know, I, I, again, I think that in the entrepreneurial world, it's a flex thing. People are constantly flexing, right? They want to show you, I've got this, I've got that, I've got this. Where do you find the humility and where do you fuel that humility to continue to ask those questions? Because a lot of times people start off asking questions and then they become the answer guy. They become the I know guy. Like, I got this, I got this, I got this. And then it seems like their, their, um, their flow of creative starts to dwindle because they're not allowing those answers in. Sure. And that's a, that's a great question. Yeah. I, for me personally, I think, you know, authenticity is used a lot, but being your authentic self is always the best way to connect with people. Um, I run into people all the time. Like you said, it's the flex, it's trying to posture, it's everything else. And what I've found with really savvy entrepreneurs, they've been through stuff. They've had challenges. They've had massive failures. And if you are more authentic and you're willing to share some of what you're going through, you're going to benefit because one it's you're believable and there's nothing fake about you. You're being your authentic self. So I always find that it's the best thing to do is just be upfront, be honest and be transparent with people. You seem to have, I mean, when I said it to one of my partners and I learned this, uh, his name is uh, Eric Compton and I called him one time and I, he had, he had profited within his first two weeks of opening a business. And I was like, man, you got the golden touch. He said, no, I just keep touching. So, he helped me to realize something that I would like to go into with you. When I said you're one of the most successful entrepreneurs that I know, it doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes, you don't fall, and that you don't have, you don't take, you know, lumps to the to the to the dome at times. Can mm -hmm. you talk to us about some of those things? Because I think so many entrepreneurs out there think that they have to be perfect. They can't talk about the the failure part of it or the you know the lessons that we learn. Um, where were some of the times where you had some rocky times and, and you, can you share them with us? Sure. Years ago, I decided to, decided to start a business. I, um, my first step was I did all sorts of spreadsheets. I did meetings. I planned and I planned some more. And then I brought on the right kind of business plan to start the business. And next step was to go recruit people. So I started recruiting the best talent I could in operations. Uh, accounting, marketing, everything else. And then I wanted to go raise the funds. And at the time I raised, I believe it was 1.5 million to start this business. And this was in 08, 09 is when I launched the business. And I was really excited. I was going to make an impact on the world. And I launched and literally, uh, as Kevin O'Leary says uh, in business, poo-poo happened. Well, poo-poo happened to me. And within a year, everything went wrong. I mean, you name it, it went wrong. And it, it just like, 
marketing didn't hit on time. We didn't have the right accounting. We didn't have the right systems. We didn't have all these things and things started falling apart. And so within about a year, I'd blown through that uh, funding and it was uh, down to really the, my rock bottom point was on a Thursday, um, Thursday night. We realized that we had about 2000 in the bank. Payroll was due the next day, 3500 and what that meant was I'd have to wake up the next day. I'd have to meet with someone and say, hey, I'm sorry. I know you trusted in me. You joined my team. You thought we we're going to make an impact. Well, I can't pay you today. And so literally the next day I go to lunch with my business partner at the time and we're sitting at lunch and I've tapped all my resources. Don't have a wealthy family, so there's nowhere I can call. We've really literally have no resources, nothing left. And I, I remember getting this phone call from my controller and she called up and she said, Hey, Sean, um, I was just over and I looked in the, um, our, our petty, uh, cash, uh, safe and I found 3000 in cash. What would you like me to do with it? And I was like, hang on to that cash. I'll be right there. And I screeched my tires and I literally drove over there. I picked up the cash. I drove to the bank and the advantage with having cash at the bank, when you deposited deposits immediately, and we were able to cut a check to make payroll. And it, at that moment, it was my rock bottom in the worst way where I, I was like, this is painful. I don't want to go through that experience again. And so I made a couple of big changes literally on that Monday, Monday, the next week one, I said, Hey, I'm going to bring in some salespeople, increase our revenue. We have to bring in revenue. Number two is what we're doing right here on this call. I got to get out of my lane and I have to start making relationships count for me. And I have to build relationships, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they get in that lane. They have this mission they're on and they don't want to take the time to get outside of that lane and connect with people like yourself. And I made my mission right then to connect with as many business owners as I could. And that above all, change the course. I mean, ultimately in the next couple of years, we're able to pay off your, the initial investors back and it really changed. Now, of course, like you said, still many more lumps, many more failures, but I think the failure, if we can like dig into that pain that comes from failure, we can make massive changes. So you talked about mindset right there, right? That mindset. So I want to go back. I want to go back in time um, because your mindset is on a different level. Like when I've talked to you about ideas and it's been so amazing for me, this is, this is a selfish podcast because this is my friend, Sean, and I want the world to know of Sean and I want the world to know the type of mentorship and, uh, you know, that we get to spend time together and we do calls like this and you're constantly asking questions. You're constantly not only looking at it from the perspective of what is it now, but what is, can it be? But let's rewind. Where did Sean get this type of mentality? Because I think that the, the largest thing, Sean, between most people and the things that they ultimately want is their mindset. And so was this born in, I mean, are you, you know, was this out the womb or was this parents or was this uh, environment? Where did it come from? I think anyone can do this. I, you know, like, like I mentioned to you, when I saw you at the event, the first thing I did, what did I go up to you? I was like, I got to meet this guy. I went right up to you and we just started chatting. And that's what I've done. Like, so you mentioned selfishly, you do this podcast selfishly. I love going and learning from entrepreneurs that have experience and been through things and I can learn from. And I think that is the best 
thing an entrepreneur can do. Like literally Kelly within two minutes talked about how he engages with his family and how he prioritizes God in his life. And I've implemented those and I have not stopped doing it. So I think anyone can get that mindset set. And the best way to do that is connect with people because you, one, you learn, you reflect upon, I pondered it, I implemented it, and I'm a better person because of it. So Sean, when was the last time that you got rocked with a small piece of information? Like we both have a friend in, in Peter Anthony, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. Peter Anthony is an absolute genius. And yep. he let me know, we were on a call the other day, we were just chatting it up, we're constantly just talking about our lives back and forth. And he said to me, just in passing, it was like past potatoes. It wasn't like, I'm going to drop a bomb on you. But he said, when you post on Facebook, make sure that you do not post a link in your, uh, in your post. Post the link in the comments because Facebook will not allow that, that link to get as much traction as if you just did a picture and then did the link in the comments. And he just said that and then he moved on. And it rocked my world. And I was like... Every post that I've done for the last three, four, or five years has been all links. And right. so what is the last time that you had your world rocked by something that maybe some other people wouldn't think that was that big of a deal? So I'm going to give you credit on this one, too. Uh, when you were on the panel, you know, I think business owners, a lot of times you try to make these massive, big goals and you want to make these almost unreachable Uh, big rocks that you want to accomplish out there. And I see it a lot with entrepreneurs, like I want to do X, Y, Z. And then when they fall short of that, they seem to, they lose motivation and they lose their way. And one of the things you mentioned was these incremental inch by inch improvements. Focus on those small things and it will lead to great things. And that's something I've taken away. So I try to literally break it down to what am I, what am I going to do this day? Um, these little incremental things that I can focus on my intention for this next meeting. How can I move the ball an inch forward? Like you said, and that's really, that was a, that was one that rocked my world. So I got to say, Kelly, that was awesome. Awesome wisdom. Like you're 45 seconds of wisdom. The other day too, I was like, had one of those days. It was like, I didn't, it didn't feel great. You know, it's like, sometimes you have down days we're human. And I, I pulled up your Instagram post and I watched your 45 seconds of wisdom and it was about connecting with God and family. And it was exactly what I needed. And that's when I sent you a message. This was fantastic. And I love how you've breaking it down to these little 45 second pieces of wisdom with great stories in it. You have a, you have a gift for telling stories that have the meaning behind it. So I appreciate you for that. Well, I appreciate you, man. Um, help me to understand what what constructed Sean. Uh, you know, from from an early age. I mean, were you the were you the cool kid in in school? Um, you know, were you the outlier? Um, you know, how, how was that? Because I think that a lot of times a person looks at a accomplished entrepreneur like yourself, and when you you know you just uh, let us know you know when you were talking about the one failure or not failure, but the lesson that you had mm-hmm. raising one point five million. Some are like, wait, 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 you were able to raise one point five million. They're at a place where they're thinking like, how did he even get to that place in the first place? So let's go back to Young Sean. I mean, mm-hmm. who who was Young Sean and what built him? So I had uh, you know I had a. a interesting parents. I had my father. He was a quiet, not very charismatic, but an incredible person. 
And then I had my mom who was very charismatic, could talk to anyone, was an amazing person as well. And I really learned my father was a bookstore manager. Um, he stayed as a bookstore manager for 40 years, retired. He knew exactly how much he was going to make. And I learned from both of them. I, I saw my, my mom, who was very charismatic, would talk to everyone. And early on, it just instilled in me that I really want to be closer to my mom. And I want to go out and meet people. And I want to do something in the world. And um, it, it instilled in me the entrepreneurship spirit, which I felt like I don't want to know how much I'm going to make down to the penny. I want to go risk. I want to jump in. And what I found from, for the most part, when I've talked to potential entrepreneurs getting in, it's the start that stops them. I talk to people all the time and they say, I want to do this. This is my plan. And I think we, you and I have that conversation. Well, when are you going to do the, the hideout, right? Let's set a date uh, because it's that start. Once you get that date set in place, everything falls in line and you have something to work towards. But I talk to entrepreneurs all the time and they're like, this is my idea. This is my concept. This is what I want to do. Well, how long have you been considering doing that? Oh, the last several years. Well, what steps have you made and when are you going to start? Because that start stops them every time. If they get their start and they put it on paper and they set a date, they set a time, guess what? It's a law of attraction. Things start falling into place to make it happen. Who gave you permission in the first place to start? Yeah, to me, it was just, I did a corporate America thing. I was just so inspired. I love education. I love learning from entrepreneurs. They've always been my heroes, haven't been you know, movie stars or anything. My heroes have always been entrepreneurs. I think it's the greatest risk. You go to the edge of the abyss, right? And you look in and you chew on glass like Elon Musk said, and uh, you come out the other side. That That's my person that I really look up to. So early on, I've read, I'm a racist reader. I try to read a book a month and I try to learn. I become a student of leadership. What do you- Your, do you book, your book, Kelly, is awesome. Thank you. Why? It's really awesome. You know, there's so many business books I look, I start and I'm like, how oh, this sounds a lot like another business book I'm bringing. Yours is different and that you have this unique ability to be able to tell a story and at the same time show the principle. It's always the best trainers in the world can tell stories. And behind that story, there's some depth to it and there's lessons to be learned because of it. And your, your, your book is set up so perfectly that way. Well, I, I appreciate it. What are you reading right now, Sean? Uh, right now, I'm actually reading about uh, the men on the moon. So I'm reading as much as I possibly can get my hands on about moon, uh, our moon journeys. And it's been fascinating. Like strapping yourself in <laughs> this massive rocket ship, just metal and literally fuel. And they shot themselves up there to moon. I thought is the most courageous experience one of in our history. Right? How about you, Kelly? Um, Proverbs right now. I mean, Proverbs. I've been just Excellent. digging into it. And then there's one that that hit me, and I don't know if you've dug into this one. It's Habakkuk. Um, have, have you ever read that book, Habakkuk? I haven't. Okay, so Habakkuk is the last, or like one of the last uh, books in the Bible and in the Old Testament. And I always would gloss over it and. The story of Habakkuk was like this, and it, uh, it was so great for all of us. 
But Habakkuk came to, to God. It says, uh, I, uh, you know, Habakkuk comes in and he's just mad. And he just says all the things that he's mad at and he makes his case to God. And then God calmly, it says it in there, this is God speaking back to Habakkuk. God calmly just says, everything's cool, but he says it principle-based and he doesn't give him any details. And then Habakkuk comes back and is like, but blah, 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 blah. And then God comes back super calm, but lets him know who is the creator of the earth and that I am going to bring all the increase. And then Habakkuk, and I see it visually, like when I'm reading, I see it visually. And at the end, Habakkuk was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you right. And then walks away. And it's like that with all of us, right? We come and we plead our case as much as we possibly can. Like, well, this is why God and this is why it happened. And then God's like, calm down. Here's the principle. And then we come back. And then he's like, everything's good. Here's again the principle. And then we walk away and we're like, I told him. And I'm just going to do it different because I want to, not because he told me. And it's like, no, dummy. You should have listened the first time when he told you. And so that's when, I mean, that has been the, like, huge because I argue so often with things that I should be doing. Do you find yourself in that spot too? I think that's a great lesson you just shared. That's amazing because we all do that, right? It's human nature. We want to know now and we not want to know why, but we have this mind that's a finite mind and it's limited mind compared to God's mind, right? And God can see obviously the bigger picture and he just sees that the next step for you is going to be better. So I think that's what you just shared was amazing. So, Sean, help me with this, too, because a lot of high-flying entrepreneurs, um, we, the, you know, we, we have the tendency to struggle because we place it in one area, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Tim Grover talked about this in his book, In Winning, and he talked about it in uh, his first book. I can't remember the, the, the name of it, but you'll probably get it. Um, uh, but he talks about it where high-level people in one area a lot of times are deficient in another, So a person who is a great athlete sometimes doesn't do as well in their marriage. Um, Person high-flying in business, sometimes they suffer with relationships with their kids or with their friends or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You seem to have a a stranglehold on this. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that you're perfect, but you seem to have a stranglehold on it and understand how to be able to do them all simultaneously. How is that? Yeah. So I think you said it's like, uh, I think, you know, at one point I wanted to try to find a perfect balance and it doesn't exist, right? There are certain times in life where you feel like you're spending too much time in the office and business and other times, you know, you're not spending enough in business and more family. And it's always this trying to, trying to bring a little bit more balance is, is what I focus on. But one of my biggest takeaways um, when I first met you was just writing letters, like physical letters to my family. And, um, I've been doing that. So, I mean, in this day and age where everything's digital and it's text is easy and emails, everything else, you have a book that you're holding a lot of times like this. (laughs) And, uh, that book is, is something that's so brilliant of what you do. And it's, I think it's just how you prioritize spending quality time with your wife and your family. And you take, actual notes and you're thinking about them throughout the day and you write a letter to them. And I I think that's so commendable. It's actually helped me a lot because I get so focused. Like you said, you get into the zone of business and you're so focused that how do you prioritize the other, the most critical pieces of your life in other areas? 
do you notice this? Is, do you notice this is a common theme too? I mean, this is the whole reason why we did the hideout in the first place is because when I was hanging out with a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. you know, I could throw a rock, Sean, and we both can, and especially in the circles that we run in, we could throw a rock and hit 10, 12 people that can make tons of money. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, not to say that it's easy, it's simple, right? If mm-hmm. you understand numbers, you understand people, there's some principles that make that happen, but there's this other level. There's this other level, and that's the reason, like, for me, why I created the hideout in the first place is because I, I just kept seeing so many times people would, you know, sacrifice this for that, and as opposed to focusing on the things that really mattered, you know, as, as, they, as they went along. What are your bumpers in your life that keep you on that path? Because we were talking about this in our men's group the other day. Um, nothing comes on you in an instant. It's always a dimmer switch, right? So the sunset, mm-hmm. when the sun is setting, it's not fast. But before mm-hmm. you know it, you're in the dark. And this is what happens for us in business. And I know it's probably happened to you. But how, what, what, what markers do you have or bumpers that push you back into the lane of where you need to go? Yeah, so I'll talk to you about one. I, I think business relationships, I love the idea of the hideout because you're going to make true connection in this hideout. I love the format. I know you're going to have some incredible transformations and some breakthroughs. And I, I, I feel like business relationships and personal relationships are so critical. And the uh, months and months ago, I was like, I, I went out to lunch with a, a, a friend I hadn't talked to in years. And it was such a, it was like one of those friends where you haven't seen them in years, but then you see this friend and they're like your best friend again. You're like, all of this comes back, this memory of coming back of why you're best friends. And I just came to the conclusion is like, why haven't I reached out to this person who's been my friend for years and I love being with. And so that day I came back to my office and I, I pulled up a simple spreadsheet and I pulled out my phone. And I looked at my contacts and I just started going down my contacts, trying to find all the people I need to connect with. And I, if I have something, someone in there that I wanted to connect with, I put him in my spreadsheet. I ended up with like three, 400 names. And while I did this, I would send him a text. Hey, how's life going? How are you doing? You know, give me the latest. How's it, you know, how's it going? And I did this three, 400 texts to these people. And I would invite all of your listeners, watchers to do this practice because it was game changing. How many responses I got of people who I loved, who I've lost touch with because I just didn't prioritize them in my life. And so since that time, I've made it a priority on that list of three, 400 people. I just take, it just takes a couple hours here and there to just send them a text. That's Mm -hmm. it set up a time to go to lunch with them, go connect with them. And that's, that's, what's really changed the game for me because it broadens your, you know, your contact list. Everyone has it. If you pulled out your phone, you have thousands of people in your contact list, but how well do we do it connecting with the people we need to connect with? Well, how important is it too, uh, Sean, because I noticed with the text that you send to me, um, there's, there's never actually, I, when I'm thinking about it and I could go through all my texts from you, you have never asked me for anything ever, ever. There's never been a time where you're like, yo, everything's going good, man. I need this from you. Never. You're always asking me how I am doing, how this project is happening, and how you can contribute to me. Like, 
How important is that in, in business? Because most of the time people are scared of that. They're scared of it because if they contribute to someone else, they think someone else is going to get their lunch. Yeah. So, you know, when we went to that event and Randy Garn spoke, he talked about George Steinbrenner. And the quote is, is you serve as many people as often as you can and ask nothing in return. And we've, we've had those relationships where everything is transactional and you feel that. And then you have those relationships where literally they're a friend. You can ask them for help, but it's not about like, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. There's no transaction involved in it at all. And if you just serve with that mindset first and people will fill it. If you lead with value, how can I provide value to you? Then I always receive more in return. It's always been the best practice. And we always, we have friends like that, like you. Like you, I have my a whole list of texts. Hey, I'm thinking about you today. I appreciate you. I mean, that's out of the blue. Who does that? I love that too, man. It's so <laughs> awesome that you do that stuff. It's so great. And that's, and you're just serving. But what I found is we definitely do business transaction. We're doing stuff together. We're doing the hideout together. We're doing other things together. And that all comes because we lead with value first. We try to serve others first and ask nothing in return. So and I think you, I think you exemplify that. Well, I, and I appreciate it, Sean. And, and help, help us too, because there are people out there, and I was one of them as a young kid, where when I would hear that, and I would hear that principle from my dad, and my pops was hugely inspirational in my life, and I would hear him, and he would say, serve others, serve others, serve others, and I was like, I was mad at times, because there was times where I saw some of the people that he was serving you know, maybe they were eating a better dinner than we were eating or living in a better neighborhood than we were living in or, but I see the long-term effects. Can you talk to the kid right now? That's like, I understand Sean, what you're talking about, but I got to get this money now. I got to get this company going now. I'm, I'm short on cash flow, And what you're saying is contribute to people, but that's the long game, man. And I need the short, I need the short win. Yeah. I think that's a great point, uh, Kelly, but what I found is there can be some short term gains immediately when you build relationships as well. Like you and I talked about the hideout. What was it? Maybe a couple months ago, right? Kelly. Yeah, it was uh, March. I believe it was, it was March that we did the event. It's just so awesome. And now you've got this event coming up that is literally going to transform their lives. I know that I know day three in that um, will be transformational for people. People will be crying. It will be the best breakthrough they've had. It'll be a it'll be a game changer in their life. That was like a matter of a couple of months ago that you and I were talking about that, and you had the vision for putting that together. And I think it's just I think so many people like I just tell them the best thing you can do is reach outside of your lane and talk to other people because joint ventures happen, things move. If you want to make your product move fast, do a joint venture with another friend of yours. But get outside of that lane and make that relationship as opposed to just chipping away at it as yourself. And I think there's this big movement for CEOs and entrepreneurs to do that now. They're hungry to be plugged in to something like that. So when you, when you talk about the, the joint ventures, I love your story about TaxHive. Now, you had, you had had, the, had the concept, and then you went and got probably the, one of the best strategic partners that you could possibly get because, mm -hmm. I mean, there's not a person on this earth that has a TV or has a phone that doesn't know who Kevin O'Leary is. Yeah. But a lot of people wouldn't give themselves permission to go after something like that. Can you take us through that story and how that transpired? 
Yeah, for sure. So Kevin, as you know, yeah, like you said, he's been on the show for over a decade. He has an incredible following Shark Tank. It's the craziest demographic. Shark Tank um, has like the young, young kids all the way up to the old. There's not a set demographic. It really appeals to everyone. And I've been with him quite a bit and seeing how people just will approach Kevin like like you can't even believe. Um, so he's always been an advocate for small business owners. And like you said, he's on a short list for entrepreneur um, advocates of America. And so we had a relationship with Kevin. We had this concept that we felt like, you know, business owners, for the most part, they're W-2. And then they make the transition at some point to become a business owner, an entrepreneur. And as a business owner, the tax code allows for up to 10 deductions is all. And you can't even qualify for most of those. So W-2, very, very little deductions. When you become a business owner, the tax code is written for 1,400 up to 1,400 deductions. It's amazing. So most business owners just don't understand that. Now, when you become a big business owner, you have departments that do this for you, but the small person will just go get quick and they'll do something that's basic and they'll stick within those 10 deductions. And we felt like there was a big void there. So we had this concept to go present Kevin with it. Our first thing our tax pros do is that we look at their last two years of taxes and then we show them where they're missing big opportunities to deduct certain expenses in areas of their business. So we went and go, we went and met with uh, Kevin and we wanted to present him with this idea about taxes and we start presenting to him and it's almost like an episode of Shark Tank where he stops us. He's like, whoa, 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 stop right there. And we're like, oh man, we messed this up, right? This is not good. This is like, this is a blow up. And uh, he said, I'm in. I've been, he's like, I've been advocating and presenting that most business owners focus on your marketing expense, your overhead, everything else, but they don't even think about taxes until taxes are over. The season's over. Now you got to go file and none of them are happy. According to our stats, 80% of people are not happy with their tax um, situation. And so... He, 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 he's like, I'm all in because he used to have a tax business in Canada. And he's like, I saw how it impacted business. I'm in, let's do it. And then he took the step with us and it took many more months to get through it all uh, working with him. But he's been an incredible partner. What, what gives you the confidence to keep it going, right? Because you said the first thing, the, the first thing with entrepreneurs is the start stops them. But then yeah. a lot of times the difference between the good and the great, right? is the people who continue to go, right? And it's not like a, you can't take a class on that. You can't go to a class and be like, I'm going to take, I'm going to get my master's in continuing to move on and, and have perseverance. So what, like when you get to those places, Sean, which when you get to a, a, a roadblock or you get to a place where there is a wall or sometimes there's a mountain in front of you, what gives you the permission to keep going, man? I saw this great cartoon the other day and it had this incredible entrepreneur on top of this mountain. And there was a group of people in front of that mountain and they're like, he's so lucky. He just happened to time it right. And he just, he got to where he is because he was so fortunate and everything else. And, and then behind him, it shows his path and it's covered in glass and broken things and blood and sweat and tears to get to that point. And I found that that's the case with all entrepreneurs. Everyone I've ever met, everyone I've ever studied, they haven't had bad days in the office failures. They've had some massive failures. 
And what separates them from probably others is they don't quit. They don't give up. They have a drive. If you look at Elon Musk, his story, you know, he had three rocket ships that absolutely exploded, was hemorrhaging money. You know, he was on the verge of bankruptcy of both, both of his businesses. And the fourth launch was a success. And it's like all every entrepreneur that I've ever read and learned about has been through stuff. And it's just inspiring to me to know that you got to keep going. How would you answer that, Kelly, as far as like failures? How do you drive? How, what, what drives you? You wake up every day. You're driving. What, what drives you? <laughs> well, keep I, going. I think one of the one of the biggest things, man, is is finding those little tiny things that that make you jump out of bed like uh, two nights ago. OK. Um, two nights ago, I got approved for a um, personal fundraiser. I've never done one on Facebook, but I, the reason why I did it is because my daughter is in the drama department, of which you donated to, and I appreciate you, man. But she said that she wanted to do a musical, but her school didn't have the funding. I asked the school teacher. The school teacher was skittish, but she said, uh, it'd be somewhere around, I don't know. And I said, well, tell me the number. Give me the number, and we'll go, go raise the money. And I tell you, there was this fire, this spark. It kept me up that night till 10 o'clock at night to be able to get approved. From the time that 10 o'clock happened till the time uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, it was only 12 hours. We had already raised, I think, $2,600. At this point right now, we've raised $3,800 on our way to $32,000. And we've done this in right about 24, uh, 24 hours, uh, 26, 28 hours. So for me... It's the little tiny things that like, and my wife thinks that I'm a nut because literally I've been live two times today on Facebook talking <laughs> about this, this musical. I have uh, posted videos this morning about it. I, I posted a video of my daughter. I think it's just for me, it's the little things, but making sure that those little things are in line with the principles that I have. And what God told me was, is to put my family first and he would take care of everything else. And that was very hard for me from an entrepreneurial mind because I was like, nah, God, let me help you because I, you gave me these skills. Let me go help you because you're busy. And he was like, no, dummy, I need you to focus in on your family and be there present, be with your friends, and I will bring the increase and then you'll tell the story of me. So that's been the thing for me as I've, as I've moved along. I love it. I've seen you over the last 24 hours. I think you did what probably most people wouldn't like, I think most people in that situation would go and, Oh, I guess there's no funding. Sorry, sweetie. You know, <laughs> it's like, Hey, Hey, you guys gave it a good shot. You know, it's great. But what did you do? You said, well, what is it? You went and met with the person you took massive action in the last two days, massive. And I think that separates uh, you from, I think that the, the average person would go in there and be like, okay, that was a good try. Well, it uh, looks like it's not going to work out. But, you know, even if you don't fi figure out the whole funding, you know, whatever, look at what you've done so far. In the, and what have you done? I saw the video with your daughter today and you had your daughter help you present it, what you're planning. And I just think your your child is looking at this example of what her dad is doing to battle for her and for the drama team, I think is phenomenal. Well, I, I appreciate it. And so let, let me ask you this, Sean, because I think a lot of our conversation, like our conversations in our circles, right? And we're very, very fortunate to have the friends that we have. And it seems like when you were talking about the law of attraction part of it, um, you know, there's an action part in that word, you know, attraction, right? And mm -hmm. 
when we're in this, you hear a lot, and I don't know if you have this conversation, but I have had it quite a bit, where a person will get to a certain point as far as finances or success in business, all that stuff, and then they step back. They want to slow down. They want to say oh, what's really important. Can that conversation happen if you never got to, to that point in success in business or uh, financially? Yeah, I think that's always the uh, debate. I, I I was fortunate to meet someone wildly successful last week, and I asked him that same question. And uh, he, this person is one of the, I mean, one of the most driven people I've ever seen. And I asked him that same question. I said, hey, do you ever feel like now you're at the level you are, you can tap the brakes and relax? And he said, no, it's it's the thrill of the hunt that drives me. And I, I read this great, great quote last week, a man or a woman needs a mission. Mm. And like when I saw this person and heard him speak last week, I could just sense this person is on a mission and that's what drives. And I think it would be very difficult. I think the mission is what drives people. I think it's very difficult to stop and you're on the freeway of life and you have this mission you're going after and then you got to pull over and park. I think that's very challenging. Sean, how do you know it's the right mission, right? So, you know, like a, a person that, um, yeah, I remember when I first started off with our company, I, my wife cringes at this when I say it because I said, baby, I want to uh, have 100 salons all over the country. We got to seven at one point and she looked at me and she was like, you really want 93 more? And, <laughs> you know, this is coming from a wife standpoint. And, and it's not to say that any of the stuff, the, the growth was negative at all. I really appreciate it. I thought it was amazing. But how do you, as far as Sean Finnegan, how do you know when you're on the right mission? Yeah, I think it's what speaks to your soul. Like uh, it took me a long time to figure out that my unique ability is connecting with business owners. And that's what I wanna do. And when you find that superpower that you have, you know you're in the right path. I think some people go down the path and it's not something they're passionate and they love. They don't love it. And I think ultimately it's very difficult for them to excel in it. So. I, um, years ago I was in college and then we did this field trip and we went, I still remember we went this, uh, there's a place called seven peaks. It's a big water slide park here. And the guy was there in this trailer. He was living there doing this design for this trailer in this, uh, water park. And he told us a story that his great grandpa was an accountant. His grandpa was an accountant. His dad was an accountant. All his brothers were accountants. He was going to college to become an accountant. And he decided he wanted to build water slides instead. And literally his whole family had a big intervention. They put a chair in the middle of the room, sat him down, tried to convince him he was going to lose all his money. He wasn't going to be successful. He had to stick with the family tradition of being accountants. And he stuck with his guns. And he said that year he made more than his brothers and his dad combined um, doing these designs. He's an incredible gifted design and raw water slides. And that's where his passion was. And I know that's easier said than done, but you got to follow your passion and your love for it. What would you say? Like what makes you follow your passion? I, 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 uh, every morning it's, it's checking it with God every morning. Um, and because I'll have a desire, man, you know, even with this hideout, like I, I had the thought process, right. 
and I remember talking to you about it and you're a huge inspiration with this and not only inspiration, but you help the steps to happen because you held me accountable. I think that that's the part a lot of times that we as men miss. We have inspiration, right? We get inspired by someone, but we don't have someone to come alongside us as men to say like, I got you, man. Not to beat on you. You don't need a drill sergeant in your life. Not everyone needs that. Some people need that personal trainer. I don't. I shut off with that guy. That guy Mm. that's like, you could do 17 more. Get up. You're weak. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, man, why are you yelling, bro? Like, you know what I mean? You can take that someplace else. I don't. Now, if you're motivated by that, I completely understand. But for me, every single thing, man, in the morning when I go to the beach, like I'm checking things with him because I... I really don't want to be outside of his will. I don't want to be outside of God's will. I want to make sure that even if the increase is massive financially or massive in business or even in the impact, I want to make sure that that is directed because my dad, my pops would always say to me that that God will direct the, st- the steps of a righteous man. And mm. so I want him to really be in control. I had one guy uh, tell me the other day, you know, there's different thought processes. You know, he said that in his life, he mashes on the gas and asks God to, to steer. And mm. that works for him. He's wild. I mean, he's an amazing dude. Um, mm. For me personally, it's, it's more of a, I, I like to check it with him because what I've found with God in my life is that um, when I've, done a uh, made a plan and then asked God to bless it is completely different than having him construct the plan in the first place. I love that. Do you know, here's something else I've noticed about you, Kelly. So I've gone to a lot of masterminds and I've done a lot of meetings. And one thing I noticed about the way you interact is you're all in as in when you're at that meeting, like the one that we did with Chris Nog or any, any meeting I've seen you in a business setting, you, you don't even have a phone in your hand. You have no distractions. You are in that moment. And that's part of what you're saying and following God's path. But you were there to really make an impact on people. And like you're sitting front row. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs, when they're going there, we were asked to help at that event. You know, I was sneaking to the back and trying to catch up on things. And you're on the front row. You got your notepad out. You're right. Rewritable. You're writing notes. You're engaged. You were all in. I love that about you. And in fact, I remember the story of you engaging with a couple of attendees that were talking to you about the frozen ice plunges, right? (laughs) (laughs) And this is in the middle of winter in Sundance, Utah. And one of them tells Kelly, Hey Kelly, uh, you got to jump in the, uh, you know, we're going to, you talk to them all about the ice baths and the benefits and, there happens to be a pond outside of the ballroom we were at. So you guys came to the conclusion in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, you're going to climb through the snow and jump in that lake together. Well, they didn't, they happen to not show up. Right. (laughs) But you showed up seven o'clock steam rising off that pond. You take off the robe. I saw the video. You walked through that snow, jumped in that lake, that pond of freezing cold water. Right. Who does that? (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, it goes to friends because I I went and and Kurt is actually going to be at the hideout. So big shout out to Kurt. But Kurt is the one that didn't show up to the cold plunge. And so I gave him a hard time. But I I remember showing up and I went down to the gym and I wasn't going to work out. Don't get me wrong. 
I was going, I was just, I just looked around because I thought they were workout guys. So I went down and I saw my buddy Jay, my buddy Jay was working out. He said, what are you doing up this early? Because he knew I wasn't trying to be at the gym that early. And I said, well, Kurt and Max, they were meeting me and we're going to do a cold plunge, but they're not here. So I'm off the hook. He's like, no, you're not. We're going. And it was, it was one of those things like you, he came right alongside me as a man and said, dude, I'm going to do this with you. I'm going to walk with you, even though it wasn't my mission. And I want to talk to that because, Sean, you walk alongside so many amazing men and you help them, even though you could be expending that energy on someone else. I experienced, I remember when you told me in Utah, you said, hey, man, do you want to come to dinner? I was like, yeah, dude, me and Sean, we're going to grab a piece of pizza. We're going to hang out. And then I show up and, dude, there's like 16 dudes in the room. Everybody is talking about, uh, you know, how, how other people can help them. And I'm like, well, damn. At first I was like, well, damn, Sean, like I thought this was our date. I was a little jealous. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. But talk yeah. to us about the, the, um, the importance of masterminding and, because I didn't know this. I didn't know this as a young kid. Yeah, I think it's so critical. I mean, that night, for instance, I, I, I heard this great, great quote from my buddy, Dean, that when, when we're born as a baby and we're connected on our umbilical cord and that umbilical cord is cut, we spend the rest of our lives trying to find a way to get plugged back into something. Right. And I, I feel like, I feel like we are programmed to plug in with other people. We want to be part of something. It's like your vision for the hideout. We're plugging into that. It's going to be the old, you're going to be around like-minded people at that hideout. And, you know, they're going to celebrate anything you say. It's going to be the best experience. There's going to be no negativity. I can tell you right now, there's going to be happy, positive, pumped up people because they're your friends. It's one of those environments literally where if, if anyone wanted to, they jump up on the table at your hideout and say, hey, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do X, Y. We, we'd all give them a cheer. And you can't do that when you're out of state. You can't do that at Ruth's Chris, right? When you're out in the other, you know, in the general world, you can't jump up on the table and people think you're nuts. And I think it's just this desire we have to plug in. So I invite any business owner to just set up a lunch, take the time, prioritize relationships, send someone a text and like I did with you and say, Hey, Kelly, we're going to get together. Let's go to dinner. And guess what? People want to be plugged in and you'll be surprised how much of an impact you can make and how much you learn. Like that dinner, there was so much, like you said at the beginning of this, like that one powerful moment, you're going to get like 20 of those powerful one-liners in the next several days. You're going to just think about those and reflect on them and apply them into your life. And then you're also going to follow up with people on other business ideas and everything else. It's just, I, I love masterminding. So help, help us out there, and for a person out there not understanding the, the mastermind concept, I want to, mm -hmm. like, take us through, because you invited me, right? And again, Sean, I thought we were on a date, and then you brought, like, <laughs> yeah. then you, you brought, like, 15 <laughs> of our closest <laughs> yeah. friends. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, had, we had 15 children with us. I thought it was just right. you yeah, I, yeah, I thought yeah, it was yeah. just you yeah. and I. But <laughs> I went, and to, to, for those out there that have never done a mastermind before. You don't have to have a license to do this, mm -hmm. but I showed up, Sean, mm -hmm. I walk into the room and I sit down 16 guys and you could just, when you're in the midst of, of amazing people, you could feel it. 
But I remember one of the first questions you asked. You said, how many people have exited from a company, meaning selling a company at a profit? There was like, I don't know, probably out of the 16, there was probably 10 or, I mean, 8, 10 people, raise their hand. How many have uh, exited from multiple companies? There was like four people that, that raised their hand. And then when we got done, I was like, damn, well, Sean, you know, he brought me into this 16 and all these people, they're amazing. And I was like, damn, I'm about to get a bill. I'm about to get a big bill. <laughs> and right. you were like, well, you can Venmo me. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was ready. And I was ready. Seriously. And you were like, um, your portion of the pizza <laughs> um, <laughs> split by 16 and the social media person that's here split by 16 um, is $69. And I was like, wait, 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 wait a second. Mm -hmm. So can you, can you help to, to someone that's out there that's like, I like the concept of mastermind, mm -hmm. help them with the start. Like, what is the, what, what did you do to be able to make that thing happen? And how did it happen and how much money did it cost and all those things? Yeah, so that's a, a, a great question, Kelly. So the very first one I did was literally I had a buddy coming into town. He's like, hey, why don't we do one of these mini masterminds named Ryan Robeson? He's like, let's just get together and do a lunch. Because we, we all found, I've been to other masterminds that are like multi-day, everything else, and I, I, I love them. But what we found the best impact is these intimate groups like we have 15 to 20 people at a lunch or a dinner so like hey let's get together and do this and instead of having one person pay just so we know that everyone knows there's nothing for sale we're going to split it by 16 right and we're going to split just the cost there's no margin in this at all there's no beholding no having to fulfill nothing we're just going to have this experience and we did our first one and i was amazed how many won how many great pieces of nugget nuggets, you know, content I got from it. And then two, how many great connections. And we're like, let's do, so I think I've done like 10 to 12 since then. And I have many more scheduled in the next coming weeks this is my favorite way to connect. But the simple format I found is just have everyone get up, tell us about your business. So everyone gets a chance. It's not one person presenting. It's not a professor to the classroom. Have that one person stand up, tell us about your business. What's your superpower? And then as they do that, everyone in the room says, oh, I need to connect with this person about this one thing. I'm really struggling in my business. I have this problem. This is the answer I'm looking for. I need to connect to this person. And then this last uh, one I did is I just had everyone prepare one question they wanted to ask to the group. And then we took round robin turns, asked our question. You would, you'd be amazed at like the, the brainstorm we got, like you said, some of those people that had exited, some were considering doing an exit. They did not consider all the questions in the discussion we had, which is, okay, now that you do an exit, what's next? What about your family? What are you going to do with your daily life? Now your cash flow is gone. How are you going to create cash? All these things they hadn't considered, but when you get people who are on the other side of that exit, it gave them a whole new perspective. And you do something from the meeting we had with 16, you do something that probably maybe 5% of the people will ever do. And what you did is you connected, I think, with the vast majority of them over the coming weeks. Because you said, hey, well, who was so-and-so I was sitting next to? Who was so-and-so over here? And I gave you the information and you connected. I've seen them on podcasts. I've seen that you do. That, that is the best thing you can do. That is best practices 
100% on these mentor masterminds, any mastermind you have, don't just make it a great experience. It's about the relationships you cultivate from that. And you keep talking to them. And when you have these multiple conversations, you'll find gold, right? What are some of the things that um, you wish that entrepreneurs knew more, especially young, you know, and whether it be the young guy that's coming in, that's like, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed and being like, yo, I'm about to, you know, I'm about to blow up. It's my first idea. Um, I'm going to blow up and everything's going to be roses or the person that maybe has had a couple of taken a couple lumps and maybe they feel alone now. What do you like? What would be the the thing that you wish that more entrepreneurs knew? I just think, you know, you get some of these younger entrepreneurs and they have stars in their eyes. They're going to go do this and they're no one can tell them otherwise. <laughs> you know, they're all in. They're going for it. Um, I, I think for them, they need to spend time with people who have experience in business. I, I found like I used to look up, you know, just look at CEOs and like, oh, they haven't had any struggles. They have they just hit that timing right, everything else. And then as you spend time with them, they talk about what they've been through and what they've learned. And I still feel like the greatest way to learn anything in life is from someone else who has experience. Like you- at, at one point, at one point in our history, we would take our elderly, our grandparents, and they would live with us and we'd, we'd gain wisdom from them. And now we put them in homes. So probably in our history, more than ever, we need to learn from people who have experience, right? How, how do you find these people in your, in your neighborhood? That's the, I mean, cause we got the, the construct construct of the, the mastermind and you could do this at any pizza parlor. Um, we're mm-hmm. actually going to do one here at the studio. We've got a loft here in, in Carlsbad. So if you're listening, we're going to be doing them here and we're going to be doing a, a delivered dinner in here and it's going to be split and all the stuff we're going to be doing these because of an inspiration with Sean. Where do you find these people though? Right. Where do you find the people that, you know, you want to be around? Yeah, I think you start first with your own network. And then you tell your network of the people, this is something I'm looking for. I'm putting on a lunch. I'm looking for like minded people like yourself that are business owners is required. And would you mind inviting one or two of your friends that are in that category and fit that of what we're looking for? And I've never had a no on that. And then all of a sudden I come to a lunch and I meet a bunch of new people because each person brings one or two people and they're awesome people because they know exactly like-minded, entrepreneurial, great business owners. That's a great way. One other thing is, is uh, as a business owner, you get texts from people introducing their influ- their their center of influence, right? I've seen so many times where I've either introduced someone where they don't respond ever, or it takes them hours to respond, or there's like just an okay. I mean, this is someone who has cultivated a relationship with someone and they feel like you're a great fit and they're trusting you as a, as an intro to that. You should definitely respond. Kelly, you, you are one of the best at this. Immediately, when I send Kelly a text, I get this awesome response. You edify the person who is willing to refer a friend over to you. And then you make the strong connection and there's action in it. That's the best thing you can do. Like how many times, like, 
you, you, you got these intros. What if you just acted on them and actually met with people and prioritized the time with them? You're going to find that you're going to create incredible relationships in business and in your personal life as well. Sean, you, you inspire so many people. Like you do. And you, you're, you're killing me sometimes, man, because your style is so cool that I, I, I remember our first Zoom call. I get on the Zoom call and it was like you were you were flexing on me. You were like, look at this desk. You didn't say it. You didn't say it. But you were sitting at the coolest desk in the entire world that I had right. wanted that on the side note that I had wanted for mm-hmm. six years. Yeah. Well, well, I was inspired. Then you got the, the, the cabinet behind and it has the shoe rack. And then you, you know, you got the, and, and you weren't flexing on it, but I was like, Sean, you're killing me here, bro. Like you're killing me, man. So as the, one of the cool, like you're seriously one of the coolest cats I know, because you're not trying to be cool. You're just rolling in the room. I mean, and it's like, I think you and I connected on fashion too, because there was things that I saw like when we met, I yeah. saw you wearing and I was like, if you know, you know, but that's the type of style that you ain't trying to flex on anybody. Talk right. to us about who inspires Sean though. Like where do you gain your inspiration? You're inspiring everyone else. You're texting everybody. You're putting these people, where does, where does Sean draw from? Yeah. You know, here's the end of that story about the desk, right? You saw that desk. What'd you do? <laughs> hey, man, I was in Hawaii. Hey. This, is, this is killing me, though, man, because oh. you're, you're killing me, Smalls, because I love it. my wife was like, what are you doing right now? We're in Hawaii. You remember when Devin and I and yeah, you yeah, talked. You were out on the patio. Okay. That's right. Yeah. So Devin and I, we, my wife and I are on vacation away from the kids. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm on my phone through offer up through every channel that I can because they discontinue the desk and I found it. And then I ask her, what do you think? Should I get the desk? And she's like, are you kidding me, dummy? We are in Hawaii. And I'm like, but you don't understand my friend, Sean. And so <laughs> it's your fault, man. It's your fault. I but love I'm, it. I'm sitting you at the it. desk. I'm sitting at the desk uh, right you're now. You're sitting there now. And I see the chair you have <laughs> is that same matching chair, which I love too. There we and go. I, I you love got it. that one. Yeah, yes. you got that. The rim. <laughs> design is so cool. I, I think it's just like true to your core. It's like you, even your necklace you have that I saw you, that I see you wear sometimes that has your design of your incredible hair, right? Which we all, we all want to, I all want to have your hair, but you have a necklace that has a kind of a, an outline of your hair. Yeah. And then I, I remember you had this great jacket on and you had, you had a scarf in your back pocket. Remember this? And it's like, it's just, that's part of like the attraction. It's like, you're exactly who you want to be and how you want to look and how you want to feel every day. You're not trying to be, Kelly is not trying to be someone else. You're not rolling in with a three piece suit. It's, it's, it's like you're, you're true to your core. And I believe that's the way you should be. You should wake up and have your own style. I think a lot of people look at these influencers online and they try to mimic it and it's just not, it's not authentic, right? But if you're authentically who you are, even down to how you dress and how you design your place and all that kind of stuff, that's what people are attracted to. They like that real kind of person. Well, right? how were how you able to stay in that when, I mean, you, li- you don't live in the most progressive, uh, you know, fashion orientated uh, place in the world, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, it's coming around. It, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. But when you think of the fashion mecca, you don't think Salt Lake City. Like, I, yeah. I mean, it's not like, oh, wow, I'm going to New York Fashion Week and Salt Lake City Fashion Week. That's not happening. 
right? I can ask you that same question, Kelly. I mean, I know you're in Carlsbad, but yeah. you have a very unique style. Like when you wake up in the day and you're going to put on <laughs> that necklace with the outline of the hair, like how do you do that in that environment? Well, in the in this environment, people looked at me really strange. I wore black a lot um, when, you know, when we were in the professional beauty industry. I wore that. And honestly, my style came from being broke, man. Um, mm. because my mom would take us to thrift stores because we couldn't afford the uh, anchor mm. blue jeans that came from Miller's Outpost. If you're in yep. Lompoc, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. And yep. we couldn't afford it. So my mom would take us to the thrift store because it's all she could afford. And there was a thing called a bag deal. I don't know. You know what a bag deal is? Oh, sure. Yep. So you buy the bag for 50 cents or 99 cents. And whatever <laughs> you can fit in that bag, you get to take home. So my mom would not look at sizes, designs, or mm. anything on the shirts or pants. She would roll up everything that she could as tight as possible and put it in the bag. And then we would get these pants that were like three sizes too small, four sizes too big. I would get a shirt that was like a double XL that said, mm. I love golf. And my mom would mm. be like, you have to wear it because that's what we can afford. And when I got to that point, I remember early on, I was like, I either am going to be super mad all the time or I'm just going to fall in love with my current circumstance and I'm mm. going to choose for this to be my style. And then when I rolled in, people were like, that's Kelly's style. He's different. And I was like, no, dude. In my mind, I was like, no, dude, I'm just, we're, we're, we just don't have any money. Like we can't dress the way that you dress. Mm. Although I wanted to, but now it's like, if I go into a place, Sean, and I'm sure you're like this too. If I go into a place and somebody's rocking my shoes my pants or my jacket, I could tell you I'm going home and changing. <laughs> yeah. You want to be unique. <laughs> yeah. You, you're, you're one of a kind is who you are. Well, you right? are too, man. And so how, like, where do you, are, are you gaining that inspiration through? I mean, uh, are you, are you watching? Are you seeing things? What, what's inspiring you right now as far as fashion? So I, I, I can exactly agree. You know, we, we had the Kmart blue light special. Do you remember that in the back of the day? I mean, that's literally how we would shop. I remember my mom tearing over there with the, the cart oh, to yeah. get the deals. And it didn't matter the size, right? And I had an older brother I got uh, hand-me-downs from. I still remember him buying this incredible polo. Remember the polo shirts when they first came on? And, <laughs> and uh, he, he would go to, he'd go to school before me. So I would wait till he's gone. I put on his shirt rocket at school i'd race home hanging up in his closet so he didn't see me take his best shirt <laughs> but it's it was always my desire and that's maybe it's where it instilled it in me too to to you know look look how i want to look and and uh, dress how i want to dress and i kind of just have my own style that i and not a lot of people around me wear similar things i'm definitely unique that way too <laughs> sean i want to i want to switch gears uh quickly but um you were talking about some letters that you were writing to your wife and how it kind of transformed. Can you, can you talk to us about some of the effects that, that the letters have had? Um, for those of you who, uh, you know, don't understand this concept, we actually built our whole uh, men's group on this too because of your inspiration now. Because I had just been doing it, but I, I wasn't really talking about it. And then you asked, and mm -hmm. we talked about it, and then we took our whole men's group, and there's just, I've got one here. Um, this yeah. one, this one is actually, let me see if, uh, I think this one's my daughter's. Um, no, this is my wife's. So you can see the nasty chicken scratch handwriting that I have. My dad said it was art so I can fall in love. But these <laughs> are, these are letters that are written every single day, uh, to my wife. And then at the end of the week, then I hand her the journal. She reads the letters or sometimes she doesn't. 
Brooklyn. <laughs> but what it does is it helps me to get specific on the things that I love about my wife and the things that I'm seeing in my wife that I think are awesome, and it keeps me focused on that. What have been the effects of you writing letters to your wife on her and on you? So, you know, a couple of great points that you shared with me, because I wanted to find out exactly what your process for doing that was. And one of them was to be specific. And, and I, I said, well, what does that mean, Kelly? What does that mean to specific? Can you give me an example? And you shared an example of a specific feedback, right? And I think that's such a critical piece. Um, I think when, when you share this, like I specifically with my daughter, who's 16, I've, I sat down, I shared the letter I, I wrote and it was very specific. I had to really go to another level deeper in my head because of your advice. It wasn't like, Hey, you're so amazing. You're so beautiful. You know, you're X, Y, Z. It was like, Hey, when you drew that painting the other day of that anime character, I was amazed at your skill. Your shading on it was incredible. The hair was incredible. So detailed that, that's what changed it for me because now when you hand that letter they know it's from the heart it's not a surface level kind of thing and it's and it's a lot harder so i've had a i've had a really uh work on that right in writing these letters and being very specific and very detailed in what i'm talking about and that's what i feel has made the biggest impact does your wife read them all the time cuz i'm going to give brooklyn a hard time there are times, <laughs> there are times where I leave it on the nightstand. I'm like, "Hey, baby, I, I got your journal for you." And what I realized, Sean, was what God was saying to me is that these letters are not for your wife; they're for you because you need mm -hmm. to be focused on the specific things. Now, the practice can help, but I, because I remember I got a little upset, uh, you know, uh, emotionally. I got a little emotionally down, and I was mm -hmm. like, "I'm writing these letters to my daughter and to my wife, and they're not reading them." And then. It was like, no, silly, you are writing them because you need to focus on the phenomenal things. And my daughter, I don't know if you had this happen, man, but my daughter one time called me to the table. I think I told you this. Mm -hmm. She called me to the table. I said, mm -hmm. I am so proud of you. And she was like, why? <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, I love and, that. And I had nothing to say, man. I had, I like, I, I could come up with stuff, but she's like, you said that yesterday and you're just saying that because you said that yesterday and it helped me to be able to get really, really specific. How, like how has, I, I've never really got a chance to ask you this question, but how does your marriage and your family impact your business? So it, you know, I, I've heard over the years, business people will say, you know, Personal life is what it is. I leave it out the door and then I focus on the business. And I've just seen personally that that doesn't work. Mm. That your personal life and your family life affects every aspect of your life. And uh, I've, I feel like some of the best entrepreneurs is like what you do is you make sure that is the priority and that's your rock. That's your foundation between your belief in God and your family. And that translates to better business. It happens every time. I've seen people go through hard times and life is what it is. And it does affect your daily life and business. It affects every aspect of your life. And so making sure that that is protected and taken care of at home is the, is the best blessing you can do for your business. Have you ever and seen for, it not work, Sean? 
Have you ever seen, I mean, because there's, the, there's outliers in everything, and there's always that guy that wants to prove it wrong. Has there ever been a time where a person's focused on their family and their business, fa- like they're, they're just, they just crumbled, everything crumbled? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's like, I think if their personal life is in shambles, their business life will be in shambles. And have you ever seen the other side? Like, have you ever seen someone that their personal life, that they're focused on their family, that they're doing this stuff, and then everything crumbles around them? I mean, does that, does that, is that possible or is it? Yeah. What are your thoughts? It's hard, man, because like, it's, it's like what we go back to when we were talking earlier, right? Is Mm -hmm. if you do the right things, the right reasons, the right things happen. If you build people up, you contribute to people, your business is is able to grow. I have never seen a person continue to do the right thing and then bang just all the, you know, not to say the circumstances don't happen, Mm -hmm. but it always seems that they, they win in the long run. It's not in the short Mm -hmm. term. I mean, sometimes they have Mm -hmm. the short term stuff, but I, I would be interested, you know, to know of someone because Every time that I see people doing the right thing, I, I, I find that the right thing continues to happen for them. I agree 100%. I think you're right on the money. And I love it. I love that you're willing to be vulnerable and bring that into because I think some people will separate, you know, it's like their business and and religion. And you, you very much are willing to be vulnerable, willing to throw it out there. Uh, I had some people stay at my house a few weeks ago. And we wanted to do a Bible study and I have reached out to you and it was awesome. Kelly jumped on a zoom, dropped what he was doing, spent the time with us. And that lesson was phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal. You taught, taught right out of the Bible and all those lessons are so important. Like, look at our timeless, um, you know, education that we see from reading the scriptures or like how long it's been around. Truth is what it is. You're so good at that. Well, I appreciate it. What do you What do you think that someone said the other day? Uh, principles are few, methods are many. Hmm. What's your read on that? It was it, it. It would spoke to the simplicity. Now, someone hmm. said to me the other day, and I want your take on this: is hmm. oversimplification. Hmm. That, that was hard for me to understand, like to comprehend because like, I think my brain is simple, right? And it's mm-hmm. super simple. Like when we're raising for my, my daughter for the donations, right? Yep. For her, uh, for a spring musical, this was very simple to me. I thought, okay, there's 60 kids. There's 60 kids. We need to raise $32,000. That's $600 per kid that they need to be able to do. And so that for each kid, that's only finding 10 people that will uh, donate $60 a piece. This is completely doable. We hit our goal. We just move on. These, like for me, I'm always going down to the uh, lowest common denominator, and I want to keep things simple. So when someone says oversimplification, it confused me a little bit, and that's why, I mean, you're wise, and you're a mm-hmm. whole lot more intelligent than I am. And I wanted to get your take on the oversimplification and, and to understand it a little bit better. So I, I've, I've fallen prey in years past when I'm, especially at the very beginning years of entrepreneurship, where I wanted to, I saw opportunities everywhere and it was like the shiny object thing. And I have a friend who's still like this. I, I, I literally went to breakfast with this friend a while back and it's like, Hey, what are you working on? 
oh, I got this going and this going and this going and this going. I mean, it was a list of 10, 20 things. And I've been through that too, where I'm like, oh, this looks amazing over here and over there. And he's like, I got this over there. And you end up, you can't be everything to everyone. And you got to focus. You got to simplify. What, what's the one or two things? We can get our minds wrapped around one to three things, but not 10 to 12 to 15. And I actually had a mentor of mine tell me, nope, don't focus on that. Focus on this one thing. Leave all that other things aside and focus. And I think there's a lot of noise and a lot of people get distracted. Um, it's what I told my friend a couple of weeks ago. I said, um, it's almost like gunpowder on a dish and you light it and all that energy is going every which way versus putting that gunpowder in a bullet and being very focused. What's the one thing? What's the one thing you're going to do? Uh, what's maybe one, two things. And I think a lot of managers, there's a book called the one thing. And it's like, when you're managing, keep your people focused on the one to two things, keep them focused. It's not 10, 20, 30 things that we can't wrap our minds around. So to me, that's how you simplify and you focus. So do you think that there is an oversimplification? It, it's possible that we narrow our focus too much and okay. maybe we miss out on something. And I, I see that primarily in businesses that will stay in their lane and they won't do joint ventures. They won't reach out outside of what they're focused on when there's clearly an easy way or a better way for them to do something. So I think that it is definitely possible. And there's a line in there on, on both sides. With the joint ventures, um, and this is something that you are a master at. And I have been, I, I haven't told you this, but I've been so inspired by it because you don't try and be all things to all people. You understand what you're good at. And then you go get people who are good at that other thing. And then you add mm -hmm. value. You add crazy amounts of value. And that person is like, why wouldn't I spend time with this guy? Because he's adding value. I've got this superpower that if I you know, superpowers unite and we can be even better as a team. But what are some of the things that you look for before you go into a joint venture? Because I think that part's important because there's a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, and we see this all the time, Sean, that they'll have an idea and then there's the, you know, the, the in the shadows money guy. You know that guy. That's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking for that dude who has an idea and I'm going to pounce on him. And then mm -hmm. that dude is basically just going to have a job and he's going to work for me because I threw the money in. And I see mm -hmm. this all the time. And the, the kid will be like, yo, I got this idea. And, you know, me and my partner is like, no, that's not your partner. That dude funded it. And now he's got you. Help us to understand yes. what are some of the components that you look for in a joint venture before you even venture into that situation. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, Ke Kevin, you know, Kevin O'Leary talks about this because he's on the Shark Tank. So he gets pitched all the time on potential joint venture deals on the show. And I said, what are some of the behind the scenes? What do you see? Like, how do you make the decision you're going to work with someone or not? And he says that literally it's a it, it's within seconds how they present themselves as they walk down that hall and they're going to go present the Sharks. We're making our decision right there, how they were, how they're, how they look, how they feel, what kind of energy they have. And we know he said, he said, he said, if you watch the show closely, certain people don't have the numbers and we always rail on the numbers and we're okay with it. We're like, it's okay. You don't have the numbers because they have that likeness. They like the person. 
So it's number one, first and foremost, is you got to have the likability. You have to build the relationship first. People only want to work with people that are similar to them, that they want to work with that are like-minded. If you can't get past that, you're not going to do a deal. What would you say is the second part? The second part is once you get, once you get past that part, you got the likability, mm -hmm. you got the person in the room. Um, Mm -hmm. now what are you looking at? Like from, from Sean's perspective, because you're bringing a lot to the table. So you're not just going to have any Joe bring you an idea and you're going to be like, wow, let's do a joint venture. Yep. My best relationships in the joint venture have been a two way street. You'll get hit up all the time with people who just like, Hey, I can do this to your customers. So this is what I'm going to do to yours. But what about the two way street? The best relationships I've built have been like, this is what I can provide to you, Kelly, with my customers. And this is what I'd like to be able to offer to your customers. So it's mutually beneficial. It's not a one-sided relationship. One-sided relationships may last, but very few do. If you have a mutually beneficial relationship, you're going to be doing business together for years. Why would you ever, uh, you know, cancel a relationship like that? When do you know when to cut bait? You just know that it's, um, it's not serving you, right? At, at some point, you just realize this relationship is not serving. Um, I don't get uplifted. I don't feel that connection. I don't feel like it's just maybe it's not right for me right now. It might be right for someone else. But it's generally it's just relationships that ultimately don't serve you. And th- there are those out there. Like you said, I think the money guy that you mentioned, the guy behind that person that just wants to <laughs> latch on to you. And, and, and you cannot let people drag you down. I mean, it's great to have relationships, great to build relationships. But there's certain ones that will just continue to drag and, and they'll just take your time. What's your, what's your take on to like, say when a person starts off, right? Um, and you, you could probably, you might differ from me on this opinion. When a person starts off, I want to see that a person has done it on their own, like that they have, that they have done this thing because a lot of times people just come with an idea and they want other people to fund that idea before they've actually invested in it themselves. And that's, mm. that's part for me. It, it has been a, um, you know, I, I want to see that part. Um, mm-hmm. Am I wrong on that? Or because I always want to grow. Like I, I don't want to. I don't want to limit myself uh, in the stuff. But that's what, uh, been a point of view of mine. And what is, what is your point of view on it? Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent. So I think you knowing that they've done it. Like it's one thing to say. I actually got a presentation the other day where someone said I have this incredible game I want to I want to share with you. And I was like, Have you created the game? No. Have you created a prototype? It's pretty simple to do. No. Have you gone out and looked at other competitors? Have you done any of that stuff? And they just want to present it to an entrepreneur and then they can solve the problem for you. So I think you're right on the money. And it's okay to tell that person, hey, go out and do X, Y, Z, and then come back and let's meet. The timing is right. It's like the right person, the right time, right? The right place. Well, maybe this isn't the right time and the right place for you. And that could be the best mentoring you can do is send them, hey, let's meet again when you're ready. What gives you the patience, Sean, that you have? Because I, I noticed this in, in all masters of their craft. They all, they don't move slow. They move deliberate. But 
they're never really in a rush for anything. And as a young person, I remember looking at people and I'll be like, man, if you, if you act that calm and all those things happen, let's just go, go, go. And then I realized that that was the reason why so many things happened. But what helps you to be in that calm space and peaceful so you can see things that from a mile away that most people can't see coming? To me, the patience comes from just wanting to learn from others. And first, it's like Stephen R. Covey said, first seek to understand. And you have to, you have to go. I used to, I used to be quick to make decisions before I had any of the right information, right? It's like, like you said, just like ready, fire, and then aim, right? It's like, I'll just jump all in. But it, it is important. There is such thing as overanalyzing, but you got to have to, you have to understand first and then make the right decision. Right. So seek first to understand. And the patience comes from that. It's like, no, I want to understand first. Let's spend some time. Let's ask questions. Let's dig into this. So then when you have the right information, you can make the best decision you can make. It's not always going to be the right one, but it's going to help your odds of making better decisions. If you understand. How do you stay away from the lure of shiny, fast gain? Because this is a world that we live in. They want it faster. They want it more. They want less investment with a higher return. And this is what we live in. And how do, like, what, how do you stay in that place and stay away from the allure of that? Yeah, I, I can ask you the same because what I've seen you do in this hideout is you've been focused. I, I love the video you put together, you know, you with that great wisdom and engagement. Like what's kept you on track? I think my wife. In that mission. <laughs> my, yeah, my, that's great. Um, my my wife has been a big one, um, and my pops. Although my my pops passed away in December December nineteenth um, last mm -hmm. year, but I always think about my time with him. My dad was never about the gain; he was about asking me, "Is it right?" And mm -hmm. there was times where I'd come to him with a profit proposition. I'd be like, "Pop." I can put in X and I can get out X and we're doing the right thing, man. And he, you know, we're doing the right thing. And, and he said, but son, you led with the advantage. Is it the right thing? Mm -hmm. And he said, it's not a question of, can you do it? Because yeah. you can, and this is what he raised me on. You can do anything, anything that you put your mind mm -hmm. to anything. He said, but it doesn't make it right for you. So let's, mm -hmm. let's stop and ask the question. Is it right? And mm. that is, and honestly, sometimes, I don't know about you, Sean, but there's times where I'm like, I ain't trying to listen to you, Pop. But every mm -hmm. time when I do that, it ends up with mud on my face with, you know what I'm saying? Like I end up with one of yeah. those, what we as entrepreneurs call uh, lessons, <laughs> which the world, which the, which really is a failure. Like we failed or we, we got a knock mm -hmm. upside the head. And that, that's the part that keeps me on track. Yeah, it is so easy to look over the fence in life and in business, right? <laughs> hey, that looks pretty good over there. Oh, look at that house. Look at that, what they're doing. Look at this. And you can lose focus on where you're headed. And it's like doing the right thing is what you said. It's so, so critical. And just staying in that, staying in that path and, and ultimately heading to where you know you need to head. But it is, you're absolutely right. There's distractions all the time. You see the high flying stuff, you see the crazy stuff. You're like, man, that looks really attractive. <laughs> but ultimately that stuff is just going to lead you from where you're headed.
You guys just got to focus on what it is. I, I uh, do you remember the old show with Kevin Costner? He was a pitcher. Yeah. And he'd stand up on the mound, and I, I love that scene where he'd stand up there and he'd hear the popcorn guy in the audience yelling popcorn and all the crowd yelling that he sucks and all this stuff. And he would stand up on that mound and he'd just look at that mitt and all that noise would go away and he'd just focus, right? And he would just see the mitt and he'd just play catch. And that that's like, that's why I feel like there's so much noise. You look at social media, all the stuff and everything, and there's so many distractions and the shiny objects, but just stand up there and focus. Well, Sean, you have been incredible, man. I mean, I, and I want to have you on more and more on the show. Um, you, you, you deliver on every time that we talk, you deliver on a higher level and I don't understand how you do it. I want to be able to can it, bottle it, whatever it is. And I want to, I want to have it with me every single day. Um, because there's never been a time that we've talked that you haven't got better in our conversation, that you haven't got better in, in what you're doing. And again, you're constantly, I mean, I hope you guys understand if you don't go back and listen to this episode again, every time I asked a question, Sean asked me a question. Like, <laughs> and Sean, you are a master. You are a master at that. But yeah. you don't make it feel like I'm going to ask you. No, I'm going to put it back on you. I asked you a couple questions. You were you didn't even answer. You were like, uh, what do you feel about it? And I was like, man. And then, and then I'm like, damn, that's not. You throw people for a loop because you're constantly looking for their wisdom. And I don't know. Uh, you, you know this, but I'm sure you do. But I looked up uh, as a young educator. I looked up the... Um, the uh, um, root word of education, and it actually meant to draw out, not to put in. Mm, that's really good. That's a bomb. And so you do that because you draw it out. And I tell yeah. you, like, you know, I created the uh, podcast because of my kids and uh, mm. Maddox and McKenna. Maddox is 10 years old, about to be 11 next week on Wednesday. So happy birthday to him. And my daughter, who's 13, and she is... Uh, we're, we're raising money right now for Aviara Oaks Middle School, and the donation click is in the bio. We, it's every little bit counts. We've raised $3,800 in 26 hours, and we're on our way to 32000 and we will do this. We are going to get them the 32000 and they're going to have that. So I made it for them, and I wanted to take iconic people like yourself, and I wanted to show my kids that anything in the world was possible as long as you had the right attitude and the right work ethic. And you have showed that you have both of them. What advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use both their names, that would be awesome. So Maddox, I actually met Maddox on a, we did a Zoom. Was that a couple of months ago? Yeah. I, I think that's one, I think that's way cool. It's way cool that you include your kids in that in your zoom calls, everything else, you just say, Hey kids. And I think what you're trying to do is what you just asked now, which is like instill as much wisdom into them from other people and do what you do, which I think is so brilliant. I, th I think Maddox is going to look at that being with his dad around your cool desk years from now and say, you know, I don't remember exactly the advice I got, but I just remember my dad trying to instill this wisdom in me with introducing me to his friends. And I think that's the coolest thing you have. He has is he has such a great dad that's willing to do that. And you put such a high priority on wisdom. You do a 45 second wisdom, probably days you wake up and you don't even feel like doing a 45 second wisdom. You do that 45 second wisdom. And I love that. And I think your kids would be able to look at, you know, 
years from now, that wisdom, but it's more like you're setting the example for why it's important to glean information like you do. And then, and then for McKenna, I think it's so cool. I was, I was really touched by your video and raising the money. And she's just looking at her dad, like this guy is a shining knight that's out on a mission right now. It's done multiple posts is going to make it happen. And I think it's just so cool. You've done that literally. And, uh, I'm my biggest takeaway is, is as a dad, what you've done for your kid, your children, trying to incorporate them more. You know, my takeaway now is like, I'm going to take my 16 year old daughter to meetings with me, just have her sit there, have my friends try to give them advice like you do with your children. I think it's fantastic. Well, I appreciate it, man. I, I really do. And it's, it's funny because uh, what, what we found is, and I was going to run this by you, but I'm going to run it by you and then you could keep a secret. So everyone out there listening, yeah, yeah. you got to keep a secret. You can't talk about it. But mm-hmm. we are going to be expanding the hideout and we're going to do a daddy daughter hideout. We're going to do a, a father son hideout and we're going to do a date night hideout. So it'll be men just for men. Right. Mm. And we're the guys, we're the, the, the little rascals. Right. <laughs> We've, we actually had to do a women's one because the women got mad and they said, like uh, Debbie Anderson, if you're out there listening, you know who you are. <laughs> she came to me and said, look, Kelly, why do I don't not get one? I'm a woman. And she was at the event, uh, in, in high or in uh, Sundance with us. And she said, mm. she said, well, why isn't for women? I said, well, I mean, did Darla get to come and hang out with the little rascals all the time? You know what I'm saying? And I yeah. joked with her and then she said, well, I'm going to go get my friends. And she went and got her friends and now we have a women's hideout. So you can imagine a women's hideout where they can hide out from all the responsibilities that they have and really enrich themselves as women. You imagine a, a father, daughter, a father, son, right? And then a date night where you get to come with 12 other couples and we work on the things that mean the most, which is the relationship, the joy inside. That's, I mean, it's, it's massive. So, um, those are coming. Well, I'll, keep, I'll keep that a secret. Yeah. Keep, keep it that. a secret. Don't tell anyone at all. <laughs> I um, love that concept. It's brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. So, and you know what? It might not be brilliant. It might end up not good. And I'll tell you the story about it because like entrepreneurs say, we take the lumps and then we like the stories of my, uh, uh, silly ideas that have failed, um, are probably the most valuable thing. I make mm-hmm. more money telling stories about when I fail than when I do, than I succeed. Mm-hmm. It's relatable, um, which, which is so funny. Um, but I, I want to thank you, man. I want to thank you for your time. You have done, you know, you have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I'm going to do a, a little uh, PSA right now. So stick with me, Sean. I'm going to do a PSA. Watch this. Here we go. Here's the PSA. I want to thank every single one of you out there. Uh, I think I have the coolest friends in the world. My wife uh, told me the other day, uh, I, w- I was struggling a little bit because we sold our, all our businesses. We sold all of our uh, salons and um, people started asking like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And there's a lot of other things that we do. I mean, doing the podcast, speaking and uh, writing and all these things. And I was like, I'm having a challenge explaining it to people, baby. And she said, just tell them you do cool bleep with your friends. And I was like, that's it. And now it's been amazing because every one of you out there listening has allowed me, allowed me to really do cool stuff with my friends. And you have, and you are my friends. And every one of you out there that are listening, you, the power of community, have made this a podcast in the top 1% globally. And it's not because of marketing. It's not because of ads that we run. It's nothing of those things. It's because of you listening. And we did this organic. And so 
the thing that I'm going to ask for you is number one, share this with entrepreneurs all over any entrepreneur that you have, because I think that Sean is an absolute genius. Sean Finnegan is one of the most amazing, not only entrepreneurs, but human beings that I've ever met. And his, his wisdom is so tremendous. And the other thing that I'm going to ask is that you go inside the link and you donate to my daughter's musical uh, drama, uh, drama club for Aviar Oaks Middle School. And I told her, I committed to her. I said, look, she was almost uh, ready to stop drama. And I said, why? And she said, because we're not going to be able to do a, a musical this year because we don't have funding. I said, daddy's got really, really cool friends. Daddy's friends helped him to get in the top 1% globally without anything at all. They just all supported and I said, I will go to all of my friends and I will say a dollar, two dollars, 50 cents, whatever it is. And we will raise the $32,000 that you need to be able to have your musical. And so you can not have to focus on bake sales and all those things, but you could just focus on acting. You could focus on the exact passion that you have. And that's what we want to do for the drama department. And I said, come hell or high water, that $32,000 will be in the account and we will stroke the check for that. And the reason why is because of all of you and in less than... 28 hours. We have already raised over $3,800 on the way to our goal. And so I want to thank you. I want to thank every single one of you. Check out the sponsors. Do the things that you know you need to do. And honestly, please share this episode with uh, everyone that you possibly can because I think that Sean is a genius. And think of this. There's only three things you need to do in life. One, be really kind. Sean has already showed it. Number two, make a ton of friends. I told Sean when I met him, I'm going to force you to be my friend for the rest of your life. And he looked at me and smiled and he was like, I'm in. And the last one is really, is exactly what Sean does. Even at the level that Sean is at, he still stays crazy curious. He was curious on the episode today. He was asking questions of me. I'm supposed to be asking him questions. And he kept turning on me. Stay curious. But Sean, I, I, I can't uh, thank you enough, man. And not only for the podcast, but for your friendship for your mentorship, for your inspiration, um, and every single thing that you do, man. We're watching, and we're inspired. Thank you, Kelly. Love you, brother. Appreciate you. You are officially off the hot seat.